Welcome to Belief Beat, where we talk about things that matter with people who matter. This episode is hosted by John Horner Eibler, and I am joined by three people who are on the mission of healing 2023 to our partners in the country of El Salvador. This is the second in a three-part series about that particular trip. Uh, about a month ago, uh, we recorded, I don't know when you might have listened to it, but we recorded about a month ago, a conversation that focused on how days get started on the Mission of Healing trip. Uh, this particular podcast will deal with all sorts of things related to the logistics, uh, the travel and the people of the trip, but we'll also focus a little bit on afternoons and how the clinic winds down on any given day. Uh, Mission of Healing is a venture that um, was begun many years ago by a number of uh, congregations, including ours, in the Greater Milwaukee Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And at this point, uh, Unity Lutheran Church here in Brookfield, Wisconsin, uh, along with Atonement Lutheran in Muskego, uh, remain connected in work on this particular trick, which is an annual event. Also joined by some good friends from uh, Egan, Minnesota as well. So it's a uh, diverse and interesting group of people, three of whom are joining us on this particular podcast. So welcome to, as I look at them on my screen, Julie Hosley, who's been on this trip a number of times, Trisha Smith, who came for the very first time, and Mike Gutzeit, who has uh, uh, helped lead the trip for a number of years. And I believe, Mike, you at this point have earned the distinction that you have probably been on this trip more times than anyone else at Unity Lutheran Church. Uh, hooray for Mike from all of us. And I think that leads to the obvious question of, gee, Mike, why did you go in the first place? Can you even remember what year that was? And uh, why do you keep going? Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, so happy to be on the call today and so happy to have this conversation uh, with Tricia and Julie and you. Um, this was Mission of Healing um, version lucky number 13 for me. So uh, 13 trips uh, to, to El Salvador. And actually, the reason that I uh, went on the first trip was I was invited by a physician who had been on the trip the year before. And I happened to know him and he said, you you might like this trip. Um, it, it's something that really is meaningful, that was meaningful for me. Um, and uh, you should consider it. And uh, I had been thinking about something service-related, um, uh, kind of a global health experience. So this kind of fit the bill for that. Um, the follow-up question that most logically would be, why do you keep coming back? Um, and um, there's there's so many reasons that, that I, there's so many ways I could answer that question. Depending on the day, I'd probably have three different answers. Um, I, I think there are some constants though. One is the, um, um, the, the relationships that develop each time that you're there. Um, and, and not only the ones that are deepened and furthered during the time that we're there, but the new ones that are created uh, while we are there. Um, it, it's just such a, a meaningful experience and it's one of those cliche things, but uh, there is so much that we have in common with one another um, that learning the unique differences is, is an opportunity to really learn. Um, the other thing that I really appreciate about the trip is each trip, each mission of healing trip has its own culture, its own vibe, its own sense of identity. Um, and, and each one is a fantastic learning experience. There's never been a bad experience. 
Um, and this year was exceptional. Uh, just a um, wonderful group of people who, who blended well together, a nice mix of um, younger folks and more seasoned folks. And uh, it, it really was just fantastic. And that's what keeps me coming back. I, I really enjoy the opportunity to, to develop those relationships uh, within, with, our, with our group as well. As long as you've kind of started down the road, uh, perhaps um, you could explain just a little bit, Mike, when we talk about Mission of Healing and a clinic, what type of clinic are we running? And maybe you could also explain the word Charla. Yeah, sure. Um, so the um, <clears throat> Mission of Healing actually has evolved quite a bit. Uh, Mission of Healing, Mission of Health has evolved over the course of the past uh, the past 13 years. And currently, the version is um, there are a series of, of, of stations, if you will, where, where people uh, from El Salvador, um, uh, local people come and, and they um, interact with us in, in a number of different ways. Um, and uh, usually it's about 100 to 150 people each day. Uh, but the various things that are done, we have a, a medical area where people can receive an examination. We have a limited number of medications that we can offer. Uh, we have a dental station for fluoride. Uh, there's pastoral care. There's th therapy. Uh, one of the great additions in the last few years has been um, the uh, use of a behavioral mental health therapists and, and uh, professionals who have really provided some some significant support for people who uh, have been very traumatized. Uh, and that's been a great, uh, great ad. Uh, there's a kids area, of course, which is, uh, which is fun to play in and, and have some fun with. And we always have some folks who are um, uh, willing to be uh, offering their services to run around and, and, uh, and do whatever, whatever is necessary to keep the clinic going on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and these areas that you, that one would participate in is called a charla. Charla means talk, um, and it's a group of people that uh, come together usually and, and, and talk or, or interact in some way. So uh, we talk about these different charlas or stations uh, that, uh, that I just described. One of which is led by Julie Hosley. Uh, so Julie, you also are an experienced traveler on this trip, and um, maybe you can guesstimate how often you've been. Uh, you're, you're, I think, uh, instructive for a lot of people who might be listening in that uh, you're not a primary Spanish speaker, you're not a primary medical <laughs> trained person, uh, and yet you run a particular charla that I think always ends up with some of the most interesting reactions from the people uh, that we have the opportunity to work with. So tell us a little bit about both your own experience on the trip and then the area that you uh, help lead. Will do. Thanks, John. Um, you know, I thought all day about how many trips I've been on. I think that was seven or eight. Okay. So I, I have done quite a few. Um, and I, I don't even recall at my advanced age how how it came about that um, I was a fit for the need. The, the need being um, not unlike here, people there are, are very stressed. Um, as Mike said, they, there is trauma, there is dysfunction, there is poverty. There are so many stressors that they have in their lives. And so the thought was to provide some sort of physical relaxation or uh, movement um, that would help people um, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, at, at whatever point in time they chose to do it just some very simple basic movements and exercises that could potentially, you know, relax them a little bit, 
perhaps help them sleep better, um, take some of the stress. A lot of them um, obviously engage in a lot of manual labor. Um, so, you know, to help their, their body and their muscles and everything else. Um, I had a dance background. I used to teach um, adult dance and exercise. So I don't know, somehow or other things aligned perfectly. And I thought, sure, I, I, I can, I can do this with the help of, you know, Google of, of how you go about doing something that's basic enough and yet that's still helpful while not doing anything that would, you know, cause further injury or anything like that. So um, I have been doing the same, Charla, and um, I am coming close to the point where um, I'm kind of maxing out on my um, body capacity to do it for um, four days in a row. However, that being said, um, it is um, so special because I get to look people in the eye and touch their bodies and feel the tension leave them and see the big smile when, when they experience something that's so basic to us that, that relieves a, a pain or a crick or a tension headache or whatever and you get the big smile and um i just really um it is really a, a blessing um to to be given the opportunity to, to do this charlie year in and year out i mean uh health and wellness is such a complex thing i mean it's emotional it's physical um uh, but I do think we carry a lot of our tension and stress within us without really even knowing that. And that I just as I watch you do that, that seems to be something you unlock pretty effectively, uh, at least in some people. Um, it, it, it was interesting. And, and this year um, it, it had happened in previous years, but I think this year I had more occurrences. Um, I would typically deal with um the, the people who would come to my charla on an individual basis. Sometimes if I if I got backed up or there were a number of people waiting and they were of the same age and gender and all that, I would I would I would do two or three at a time. But I much preferred to do, you know, one at a time just to try to target, you know, their individual needs. Um, there were three times um, in February where people came up to me and, and I would say two of the three of them were probably um, both, it was two women and a man and all of them were over age 65. I, I am almost certain. And they all came up to me and I, I looked in their face and I looked in their eyes. And again, as John said, I don't really speak much Spanish, but I said to my translator, I said, please tell them I know them. I have done this with them before. And they all had the best giggles of the best smiles. And, and they all said, we came for more. And first, before you show us anything, we want to show you what we remember from last year. So they had actually, you know, taken the, the, the few things that I had given them and, and really, um, used it in, in their, in their everyday life. And, and, and I don't know, you know, to what great advantage or whatever, but they were so pleased to show me 
things that they had remembered and and they did felt feel like you know that that they had been helpful exercises so that was obviously just really heartwarming and and you just don't know um your impact uh and and so you um to, to be validated like that um not only with the people who walk away thinking you know i'm going to try to do this but the, to have people come back and say we did it it works um was just really really um special moments during the week uh which is as as mike said why i continue to be drawn to doing this yeah wow what a what a great story of of like you say validation and confirmation that it uh, had an impact i think in any field you're in <laughs> moments like that are super precious all right hey, Kisha, you're you're in a little different spot so i i guess if we added up mike and julie's ears they've got about 20 trips under their belt this was your very first one and uh you two bring uh just a smattering of of spanish you're an attorney by background and you go on this mission of healing trip um uh, what kind of felt like your invitation into it and tell us a little bit about your experience yeah hi everybody um so justin and i um been members of the church for well over a decade and have done different experiences and we had been looking for a way to more directly serve others and have that opportunity now that our kids are more self-sufficient, both being able to drive themselves and, and such. Um, so it was simply reading the bulletin, having heard for many years about the trip. Um, and what in particular stood out is that we saw that they were looking for people and especially new people and ones that might be able to help in mental health services. So my husband, Justin, is a licensed psychologist, uh, and that made us inquire, like, okay, maybe we could help out. Uh, and Pastor Mo was so excited at the fact that we asked about it and was like, we need people that don't even have medical skills. And so uh, she was very encouraging uh, and it eased any concerns we had uh, with uh going on the trip, even though neither of us uh, have Spanish speaking, we both are the uh, took German in high school and through our, our education, which is just not really that practical or useful. Um, but uh, that was what drew us to, to the trip. Hey, you're, you're talking to a German major here, so... <laughs> Come on, you know, there's some use for the German every once in a while. I, it, it was interesting when we first started going about 20 years ago, there was more German, as is uh, often quite typical throughout Central and South America, but there's less and less of that uh, nowadays. Um, uh, so uh, I, I think your role changed a little bit from day to day, Tricia. Uh, on any given day, what was, tell us a little bit about your role. Yeah, so I filled in where I could, especially since I'm not a medical person of doing the tasks that were not direct patient care for uh, medical. Uh, the pharmacy was one area that I spent a lot of time and it's a really great system of the patients seeing the medical care providers and then getting um, different prescriptions. And we would have a, a bag that we would fill with those, label it with their name, yeah, have the sheet that, that they get as they the patients walk around the clinic and uh, fill out those things. And then they'd wait for a consultation 
with uh, another doctor or medical professional that could explain the medicines to them. Um, and in other days, I worked at, with the reading glasses. So these are sets of glasses that we had laid out of various magnifications to help those individuals that uh, couldn't see well up close. Um, and then sometimes it's just steering people around to the right places and knowing where they need to go and knowing where that location is on site. And few times I got to visit you, John, out in the, the kids area, which uh, I, I was uh, always a nice break from, from the patient care. I uh, found great delight in the children's area this year. It was a blast. Uh, maybe one last little thing, Trisha, to, to, to do the reading glasses area, how much space I don't think people can visualize how much space you would use for that. How much space do you need to run uh, either that or a pharmacy, like in square footage? Oh, gosh. So, so the pharmacy, I mean, we needed at least a table, probably eight feet. It was better if we had a longer table um, because you want to make sure that you can do it efficiently. And sometimes it, there's a lot of people waiting at once. So you have them sectioned off that each medication has its own area and you try to repeat that day to day. So it, you get a little bit of that muscle memory going of, okay, the, um, the Tums are in this location, the Tylenol or ibuprofen is over here. Um, and then you just kind of work your way through it. Uh, the reading glasses needed a, a good amount of, of sp table space as well. I think it's just so so amazing that uh, we were able to bring down uh, reading glasses that were from uh, 0.25 magnification all the way to, to like five. Um, and, and it changed by 0.25. So you had variations um, and that you were trying to keep them in sections so that when you had people there, you could easily... Uh, move them either stronger or uh, less strong of a prescription. And then they, they could pick out the style and the shape of the frame. Um, so you'd point to the square that had all those that were of that magnification and um, let them choose one amongst those once you figured out the prescription level. So just those two areas uh, require a lot of advanced planning uh, so that we have the supplies, some of which uh, are sourced in the U.S., uh, more of which uh, are now sourced in El Salvador. Mike, that's a big part of what you do in advance of the trip is um, uh, working with Pastor Conchi, who uh, leads the program uh, with the Salvadorian Lutheran Church. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How, when, how far in advance do you start planning it, and what are some of the primary things uh, or markers that you're trying to hit along the way. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to talk about that. I uh, <clears throat> Let me just take a, a side trip for a second and reiterate a couple of things that Julie and Trisha said. Uh, Trisha undersold herself in terms of her value to the trip. She was the universal plug-in. You could put her in any spot and she fit um, and did a great job. So thank you, Trisha. And Julie, that that story you told was, uh, was heart not only it not only wrenched my heart in terms of just being so compelling, but your term validation uh, was really meaningful too. That was that was fantastic. Julie uh, uh, pours herself into this and, and really exerts a lot of energy to make sure that others are helped. So um, just uh, fantastic. Um, 
So the, the planning for uh, the next year's trip begins uh, when we pull our luggage off the uh, carousel in Mitchell, because <laughs> that's really when it starts. Uh, so an interesting story. Somebody, you know, I I, um, I I focus on safety a lot. You can, I know you all laugh when I say that, but you know, safety is the most important thing that we're all about on the trip. And somebody said, "Do you ever relax on the trip?" And I said, "Yes, when the last person pulls their luggage off the carousel in Mitchell." So what happened this year? One person's luggage did not make it to Mitchell. So I had to wait one more day after we returned before I could fully relax. But then I found out that she got her luggage. So anyway, be that as it may. <laughs> uh, so we start the uh, planning um, a year in advance, really. And that it, it, it begins with a debrief. Uh, we have a few people um, just share their thoughts and perspectives uh, in a smaller group about how things went, uh, what worked well, uh, what, where could we improve. Uh, and that actually begins in El Salvador. Uh, as, as you mentioned, John, Pastor Conchi uh, has been just the remarkable presence, uh, the pastoral presence uh, in El Salvador, who is uh, so connected to the people, the country, uh, and, and helps us navigate so many things uh, to make our job as, as uh, not only meaningful as possible, but as safe as possible. And so when we meet with her, she talks about uh, things that she would like to see in the future. And we've built a lot of those into the work that we do now. It's not the same trip that it was 13 years ago, for sure. And that's a good thing because it's evolved and grown. Um, so we start planning. Uh, in the summer, we usually meet at least once to talk about uh, just the, the conceptual framework for the trip. How many people do we think we, we would like to take, depending on you know what the living arrangements will be while we're in country, things like that. Uh, and then it really starts to um, get more advanced in terms of its planning uh, in the fall. Um, we'll get the application out sometime in early November, usually. Um, get those back right after uh, uh, November, Julie and I and a few other people will sit down, look through the applications, make sure that we've got, um, you know, a good mix of people and and, and, and kind of the, the, the skills that would be helpful and try to make sure we're plugging people in so they'll have meaningful experiences. Um, and then we have three pre-trip meetings that occur in January. Uh, the trip is in mid-February. And those are really um, to getting to know people sharing experiences, uh, welcoming new people to the trip, uh, as well as uh, greeting old old friends who've been on the trip before. Um, and during that time, we're constantly in contact with our Salvadoran partners about ordering medications, which we get in El Salvador, getting our suitcases ready to bring down not only our own supplies, but supplies for the clinic as well. Um, and that's really, um, that that's the process. So it intensifies the last three months, but it's really, a, it truly is a year long process. So uh, I didn't return with the group. I uh, bailed out in Atlanta on my way back. So I don't know that I heard the story. So who didn't they, who didn't get their luggage at the end, Mike? <laughs> Carrie didn't get her luggage. Ah, shoot. It was it was it was it was a lonely experience. Everybody was gone. It's like uh -huh. midnight, and I'm standing here with Carrie, and the carousel, empty carousel, yeah, is going round and, around. And round and round. <laughs> so. But then, then uh, Carrie went up, and, and uh, the next day she, I, we, you know, I was communicating with her. And she said, "Well, better that it was on this end that it didn't come. At least I can go home and I have clothes at home, as opposed to being in El Salvador, which has happened, by the way." So it has happened. Yes, it has. Hey, Trisha. Um, so we visit four communities. Uh, we do uh, go to a different community each day as a part of the the clinic. Uh, uh, of the, you, you know, you'd never been to any of them before. Uh, did one stick out in your mind and why did that stick out? I mean. Well, so, I mean, all of them had very unique aspects. I, I liked that we were going to 
different types of settings. There was, you know, the city, suburban, more rural. And my favorite was the last clinic day, which is in the more rural Tapiagua. Uh, and it was Pastor Rogers Church, which is the partner church for Atonement Lutheran Church in Muskego. And it was just an amazing location. The church was on a hilltop, which had a very nice breeze running through. That was a big bonus that day. Um, and it, the community's nearer to the Pacific Ocean than more inland where some of the other ones were. And I just found it fascinating that they had these water service via hoses. It looked like just standard black hoses uh, running along the street um, and that were fed by a deep water well and a water tower that the uh, Atonement Lutheran Church had assisted them in getting. And um, they had some of the compostable toilets uh, systems set up at that church as well. Uh, but in terms of the people, it was also that they just were used to the, the pattern of it and, and wanting to help. And uh, that day I was handing out reading glasses. And when a translator wasn't available, Pastor Roger would just jump in and he wasn't the smoothest at, at translation, um, but it was, oh, you need somebody, somebody oh, and he'd just jump in and help out. And then next to me was where, where Melanie was doing the fluoride treatment and she was putting the fluoride on teeth. And it was interesting too that uh, it must've been one of the sons of, of someone in the community there that was hanging out. And there was this teenage boy that ended up staying by Melanie to hand out the stickers to the kids after they finished getting the fluoride on their, their teeth. And um, just that it was just re so remarkable to me having a teenage son um, to have someone that just stepped up and was handing out princess stickers. <laughs> it was a memory uh, about the trip. Yeah. I, I, uh... It's, it's remarkable how many people kind of jump into the midst of it. And uh, any of the communities that we go to, we are assisted by some people that travel with us basically all week from the Salvadorian Lutheran Church uh, or our university translators. And then there are others from the local community that kind of rise up and do everything from hand out princess stickers to put up tarps to uh, help us kind of orchestrate traffic. So Julie, Trisha mentioned uh, kind of the nice element of having a breeze uh, or kind of a breeze off the ocean at Tepeagua. Uh, tell us a little bit about time of day. So talk afternoons. Uh, what's the clinic like in the afternoon? How does it wind down? How do we eventually get home? What's the weather like in the afternoon? Uh, go for it. I I have the um, the vivid memory of uh wednesday and i i can't even think of the name but that was the day john that that you rather imploded from heat exposure you were in that little tiny room um in the back behind the church yeah that, that, that was sushi toto yeah that was yeah and was and nice. i was i was outside of of the building and, and it, it's so hard there's so much beauty in this country and yet it, it the the housing situation is is so um basic and um harsh um you know there it's very very dusty the, the floors i don't believe in that back room um i i think they were simply dirt floors 
um, I was um, doing my exercise relaxation, Charla, under a um, tin roof. Um, and as the afternoon progressed and I looked at John and, and I was standing under there, I knew just what a baked potato felt like because the sun was beating down and, and I am somebody who truly loves heat, um, unlike John H.I., but um, it was some afternoons got rough that way. Um, you are um, thrust into an environment and, and uh, among people who are obviously very, very used to the heat, their patience far exceeds anything that we know in terms of sitting uh, out in the, in the heat and the sun um, waiting for us um, and most of us who were moving around and, and, and trying to do our jobs, um, it, the afternoon sometimes go by very, very quickly because you have so many people and there's an urgency to see them all. Um, and yet um, sometimes the afternoons get backed up. Um, the pharmacy usually gets very, very busy at the end of the day um, because as people come in, um, they might be hanging out with their kids in the children's area. And it seems like all of a sudden at the end of the day, uh, the pharmacy was typically uh, the last uh, visit for, mo for most of the um, people um, coming to the um, program. So that always seemed to be a little bit of a log jam at the end of the, at the end of the day. I too always had a couple stragglers at the end um, but you, you knew that if the pharmacy was clearing out, it would be time that we could get back on the bus, sit in the air conditioning and, um, begin the usually pretty arduous trip back, um, to, um, our lovely, lovely lodging, um, in, um, the city of, um, uh, Sensoria Pongo, right? Where, where, where we stay. We're actually in, in South Salvador. With uh, Christian Zip. and Aldo. That's Sorry, Pongo is where the church is. I'm sorry. In any case, um, so you, you, you've got the, after lunch, and I do have to mention the, the lunch situation because it's something that um, I, I guess I've gotten used to a little bit more, but it made me very, very uncomfortable. Um, the Salvadorans are such gracious people, and um, despite their... Um, really, you know, lack of anything frivolous in terms of bountiful meals or, or preparation areas, anything. Um, they're so generous with their food and, and their hospitality. And the clinic stops while um, they feed us lunch. Um, and the lunches are lovely hot meals of usually um, chicken and vegetables and always rice and sometimes interesting other things. Um, sometimes we knew what they were, sometimes we didn't, but always um, just, you know, serve so proudly and they would feed all of us. And it, it was very, very difficult some days because we would be eating um, while these people waiting to see us uh, just sat out in the sun waiting for us to finish our meals. and that at many times made me very, very uncomfortable um, because it just didn't seem fair. Um, and yet I, I 
came to understand that 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 was that was just the way it was and and um it, it was just very gracious of all of them to not only feed us, but, but to watch us eat in essence um, until we got done and we're ready to move into our afternoon activities. And the afternoons um, we would get done at four or five or six or whenever and, and traffic dictated our return back. Um, sometimes you came back and you thought, oh, I'll take a shower and you were too tired to do that un until after dinner. And, you know, we, we can talk about the unwinding part a, a little bit later, but um, the, the rhythms of the day um, at, at times it moved by very, very quickly at times uh, you thought, man, I've been doing this for 12 hours. Um, so uh, I, I, it, it, it's, it was an interesting um it just depended on, on any point in time, uh, what you were doing and how into the moment you were and who you were looking at and speaking with. Um, and uh, always, always time well spent though, regardless of how short or long the day felt. Um, you big, got on that bus and it was awesome. Big, big part of their hospitality to us. Trisha, go for it. Yeah, I just, Julie, too, what you're saying about how the afternoon is a little bit different is trying to make sure you're getting the, the most help to the people that are, that you're there to serve. And I think in the pharmacy, it's, you start to see what you're running out of and what you haven't dispensed very much of. And, you know, there are some days that uh, giving some of the children two of the children's vitamins packs and other days where uh, you're limiting it more by age. Um, same with the, the Tums, you know, it was a constant balance of how, how many are going out today? How many can we get out? You have a limited supply with you. And, um, and, and it was amazing. On some days we hit it exactly right that everybody got a toothbrush and, and other days, you know, we were looking at whether we want to go into the next day's supply or if we had any left or sometimes some of the very last individuals didn't get any. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the added, as you mentioned that a little bit more of the stress as the afternoon goes on, because you, you want to make sure you get the supplies and of both of our time and our resources that we have, you know, get to the people in the most impactful way. How about, um, Let's do some like real quick hits. Uh, so maybe maybe like 30 or 40 seconds on each one of these. So Julie, um, evenings with the group. Uh, uh, you're very helpful at allowing a group to relax a little bit come the evening. Uh, tell, us about, tell us about that. Go. Well, John, I subscribe to the work hard, play hard theory. So... Um, I think um, it's always great to unwind with um, a little laughter, um, a little relaxation, um, some great food, which we were so, so lucky to have um, with our chef, Aldo, making these amazing meals. Um, and then um, it was important to have, you know, some beverages and some snacks and, I always kind of took charge of that effort and um, will continue to do so, I imagine. 
Yeah, Julie, you can't stop ever going on this trip, really, because that remains one of your <laughs> most essential functions. Uh, Trisha, how about... Uh, um, we have so much access to healthcare here uh, in many contexts in the United States, though not all. Um, different in El Salvador, what what do you observe just about access? Well, certainly access is much more limited um, there, both in terms of how often they can find a provider, but also that they can afford the medication that might go with it. Uh, that that was something you definitely saw when it came to the um, high blood pressure medications um, and, and those that are for uh, diabetics, you know, how much of the supply do they have? Um, one thing though, I, I think that, you know, it taught me though, is that we don't maybe rely on our faith as much. And, and that was a good aspect to see um, that they're, they're much more committed to turning uh, some of their problems to God and leaning upon the church community uh, whereas we're we're very quick to go the scientific medical route. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good observation, and I think something striking us. I mean, from the very beginning of Mission of Healing, there's always been a prayer and uh, spiritual healing element to it, and that's something that the our partners there brought from the very beginning. Mike, maybe um, you know, as a physician, uh, tell us. A, a little bit in your quick hit about what what you most commonly see and then maybe what are one or two of the most unique things you've seen? Um, the most common thing we see are, are typical, um, you know, same types of things that we would see in the States. So, uh, a lot of it is people wanting to be reassured that they're healthy um, and that they're uh, validating that they're being good parents or, or that they're taking care of themselves as best way they could. Um, I'd just like to add one of the biggest evolutions I've seen, which is really positive and gets to what um, what Tricia was talking about, is the de-emphasis on the medical component, the pharmacy and the exams, using exams more for validation, and the expansion of the, the tremendous charlas, which really support the health. We've always worried about the sustainability of, of the trip. You know, we're there for one week. What, what about the other 51? And so uh, many days for girls was another thing, another Charla that we didn't mention, but um, it is so impactful for people because uh, the um, the ability to access uh, female hygiene products uh, in an in a environment where it's very difficult to secure those uh, makes uh, a significant difference for people. Thanks, Mike. Um, so trips like this uh, always leave an impact on us in terms of... Um, of our own faith journey and uh, how we view the world. And I think that's always a good place to end these discussions. It's just as you look back on it now with about three months of perspective, um, what what came, what traveled home with you in your mind and in your spirit? Uh, Trisha, can you take a first stab at that? Well, I think one of the most amazing parts of the journey was the 20 people that I got to go with that it ranged in age from just about uh, 24 to 70. And we got along so amazingly well and learned so much from each other. And uh, it was just truly welcoming. And I, I feel more a part of the church community than ever before. And uh, that that is amazing um, and, and truly has helped me um, also want to do more within our, our community. Um, 
And both Justin and I are looking forward to going on the trip again and just trying to figure out what we do with our 17-year-old at home that week. So <laughs> always, he'll be 17 at that yeah, point. There, there are always yeah. problems to solve. And <laughs> that certainly that certainly could be one of them. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the age range, by the way, because I think people often wonder, well, can I go? And um, we've actually taken... Uh, I don't, on this particular trip, I don't think we've taken much younger than 24, but we've taken older than 69, and it's mm -hmm. just a huge range of people that can contribute and be a part of the group on it. Um, Mike, how about you? Uh, having been a lot, how does it kind of impact you? Maybe what's the nuance from any given year? We're all lifelong learners, and each trip is an opportunity to learn. There's four things that I, I think about from this trip in particular. I'll double down on what Tricia said. The group dynamic was was just um, so warm, so welcoming, so supportive. And then I'll mention three names. Renee, uh, one of our translators who's been with us for many years, representing the translators and the, the role that they serve in terms of helping us to make that connection with people, especially those of us who are not fluent in Spanish. Um, that, that really enhances the trip. Um, Paola, uh, this is a really important one. Paola is a, a young lady that we've seen grow up uh, in Soyapango at Cordero de Dios. And um, she started off, when I first met her, she was four, and now she's 17. And she served as a nurse for us in our first day there. She's in nursing school. And that's because of the generosity of our congregation to give scholarships to people. She's able to access that and become a professional now. And she was so proud to be there and so proud to be able to, to work with us. And then the uh, since, I'm a, since I'm a pediatrician, I have to give one quick kid story. Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos was about six years old, a very confident young man who I had the opportunity to examine. We were joking the whole time. And I said to him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be the right-footed Messi. So Messi is a is a internationally renowned soccer star who's left-footed, but he wants to become the right-footed Messi. I said, "Do you have the skills?" He said, "Absolutely." Yeah. <laughs> let's let's trust that he does. That'll that'll be awesome to behold. <laughs> Shooting out his autograph. <laughs> were, yeah, I was going to say you were there first, Mike. You were there first. Really. Uh, I'll give you the last word on this. What's what's a story, a person, a something that traveled back with you in your spirit? Oh, I, I, I always, I, I always remember all of the brown eyes. I there's just something about holding the babies and just looking into the the eyes of the, an old woman or a young. There, there's just a a kindness and a, a point of connection that um, always brings me back to, we are so blessed to be a blessing or the other way around. I just feel like it's, it's such an honor that, and, and we are so lucky that we have this great established avenue to serve. You know that that it is it is made so easy and so wonderful by the people who have done all the done all the hard work and and done all the laid all the groundwork for us to make it so easy to come in and and serve and have it be 
probably way more meaningful to me than it is to a, a lot of the people that I touched. And I, and I just think that's such a gift. And, and I think that's what I would tell anyone, um, which is why Trish came, which is why Mike continues to come. It's, it's that this is such a concrete way to establish relationships, to strengthen your faith, to serve. And it is made so beautiful and so easy by this trip that um, we're really lucky. No, thank you all for just kind of sharing those reflections and, um, you know, ones that I hold too. I, I, um, I, uh, this was kind of a transitional year for us in that a lot of the people who have worked with us as translators over the years, we knew wouldn't uh, be with us. They've in a sense kind of aged out, which is cool and entered the workforce. But, uh, we, again, were blessed with people who, um, were of such help, not just in getting the words, but like in helping us actually communicate with, with where people were at and what they were afraid of and where they were coming from. And that's, that's just kind of remarkable to behold because uh, it seems to happen year after year after year. Well, uh, we could keep talking a lot more than this. And uh, if you are listening in um, and have heard podcast one and two on Mission of Healing, you'll hear one more that we're recording tomorrow and that'll go up um, probably a week after this one goes up. So I hope you'll have an opportunity to listen to all three. And um, I'm just super appreciative to Mike, Julie, and Trisha for their leadership and participation uh, as a part of this trip and also for the, the blessings you've received uh, as someone who's traveled on it and uh, giving people who are listening just a little flavor of what that's like and I think an implicit invitation to pray for groups in the future and maybe uh, the time and spirit is right for you being a part of one of these groups either on our summer trip or on our Mission of Healing trip in February. That's where we're going to wrap it up for now, people. Thanks very much for listening in to Belief Beat. Uh, this has been John Horner-Eibler, Mission of Healing 2023. Thanks for being a part of it. Good night.